Hello and welcome to Real Life Ghost Stories. I'm Emma. And I'm Dan. And we're going to talk to you about stuff. We need to stop doing an intro. Because we always (laughs) say, I'm going to talk about stuff. (laughs) Yeah, we need to stop doing that. Serious start to the show today. So this week, I've been talking to another podcast called It Came From The Video Store. How dare I? Their podcast is called It Came From The Video Store. They contacted me on Instagram. To be honest, we've fallen in love and... I'm pregnant with their baby, all three of them. (laughs) (laughs) That took a turn. That took a very dramatic turn. But in all seriousness, it came from the video store, our podcast, who discuss cult classic films and horror films. And if you are a movie geek, go and listen to them. They're brilliant. But this month, well, in the month of December, they are donating all of their Patreon money to a children's charity who buy toys for disadvantaged children for Christmas, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, really nice. So I donate to them on Patreon already. Uh, Patreon is cheap and it's a really effective way to to give money to people who are creating content. So That sounded like a Patreon promo. Yeah, here's me. Patreon is a cheap way to donate to radio shows. Sponsored by. No, not really. But if you go and listen to them, they're really good. Their first episode, which they actively told me not to listen to because the sound quality they said wasn't good, is about the 1997 Godzilla a film that I absolutely adore. Love that film. They did not love that film, but they do really good nerdy podcasts about films. So they're definitely worth a listen to and donate to their Patreon because it's all for a good cause in the month of December, which is cool. So our review this week is the film Orphan. And Orphan was a film that was released in 2009. Produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. As Dan kept telling me while we were watching it. Big Leo fan. Big Leo fan. And it has 7 out of 10 on IMDb. It has 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) And it was released in 2009. And Orphan, if you haven't seen it, I can't tell you that much about it because there is a major M. Night Shalamalam twist. Shalamalam. Yeah, that's his name. Twist at the end of it. He's got got nothing to do with it. Yeah, it's not the point. I'm making making a reference, okay? okay. Film reference. And he... No, he didn't direct the film. (laughs) I was going to say he directed it. Well, the film is about... um, a family who adopt a girl called Esther and Esther is a freak. Russian. She's Russian and a freak. Not related to the fact that she's Russian. And it's very creepy. It's a bit of a creepy thriller. Yeah, it's a creepy thriller and if I adopted her, I would drop kick her down a flight of stairs. I thought you were going to say I'd put her down. That's what you normally well, say. <laughs> I'd also put her down. I'd drop kick her down a flight of stairs and then put her down. What did you think of it? Um, I really liked it. It wasn't like a scary like paranormal thing as much as I thought it was going to be but it was. it had some good jump scares in it. And the story was really clever with that lady, Elaine Warren, was in it. Lorraine Warren. <laughs> Lorraine Warren. The woman who plays Lorraine Warren in The Conjuring plays the mum in it. And the girl who plays Esther, I think she was 12 when they made the film, but she is stunning. She's amazing. And I don't know why, she was, she was in The Hunger Games, she played Clove in The Hunger Games, but she was stunning in the film. And I think she was like lauded after the film came out as being the kind of next big thing. He said lauded. Right. Does, is that the right thing? Yeah, I thought you said loaded. As no, she <laughs> just said loads of money. That's the film, basically. It's an orphan rolling around in loads of money. Not really, but go and watch it. It's 
a weird, creepy film. I think it's a bit clunky at times in in terms of there was a lot of desperation to make it as scary as possible without it being paranormal. It is an interesting ending and a very clever ending. And the girl who plays Esther is stunning. Which kind of leads me into our topic today. Speaking of stunning actors, like myself. So our topic today is beautiful ghosts. It's beautiful ghosts. No, it isn't. Oh. Our topic today is theatre ghosts. Woo! Theatre ghosts was a topic that I wanted to do from the beginning. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The first reason is that I am a theatre person. I love being on stage and I love the theatre. I love watching theatre and I love the experience of acting. But with every theatre, there there comes a theatre ghost, which is a really bizarre phenomenon, I think. Every theatre I've ever been involved in, there has been some sort of theatre ghost attached to it. So when I was in secondary school, we used to do musicals every year. And I was talking to my friend Laura, shout out to Laura. And we were talking about how when we were doing musicals in school, we firmly believed there was a ghost that we referred to as the Phantom of the Opera because we're really sophisticated that would only come out every year when we were doing when we were doing our musicals do it and and I was I believed this so much that I would refuse to go underneath the stage where we stored everything I just wouldn't do it and but I also went to a convent school where there was a statue of the Virgin Mary which we also believed moved and when I was out of lessons like wandering around I would run past that statue and I'd be afraid to look at her in case she moved. I also believed at some point that she cried if you looked at her for too long. None of that is true. There is something inherent about theatre and theatre ghosts. And we live in Canterbury and there's two big theatres in Canterbury. So there's the Marlowe and there's the Gulbenkian. And when I was researching this episode, it turns out that there is a ghost attached to both of those theatres. And what's really important about this is that the Marlowe is new. It's a new building, but there is reportedly a ghostly figure in white that was seen loitering on the right-hand side of the stage during a performance, during one performance, and therefore it's haunted. The Gulbenkian is, I think, a relatively new theatre in the grand scheme of things. There is apparently a phantom stagehand in black clothing, or just a real stagehand in black clothing, (laughs) because that's what they wear. It was seen once in 2011, but is more likely to be heard climbing ladders. True story, obviously. It's definitely not a true story. It's bullshit. Both of those theatres were built on Native American burial grounds. (laughs) No. No, well, the stage ladder things creak, don't they? They creak quite a lot anyway. I can imagine you could probably hear that. I like the fact that they've both only been seen once. Yeah, and therefore it's... They're quite elusive. Elusive creatures, but therefore it's absolutely concrete evidence that those two theatres are haunted. I've worked in both of those theatres. They're not. Not in the slightest. I've never felt uncomfortable. I've never seen anything. I don't know anybody who's seen anything in those theatres. Actors, I think, are really superstitious people. So there was um, a really good article in The Guardian about apparently the most haunted theatre in London, and I can't actually remember which theatre it was. They talked about how they were desperate to kind of experience some sort of paranormal activity when they visited theatre and they went around with loads of different actors and all the actors believed that the theatre was haunted but the the reporter was like it really isn't it's an old creepy building and I suppose if you're there on your own doing a get out or after a show and it's you know only blue lighting or whatever obviously it's going to be creepy but there was nothing paranormal about it but every theatre I've been to there's always a ghost story attached to it and I find that really fascinating and I think it's time to introduce our guests so we're not alone today in the studio. Or are you? Or are we? <laughs> We've got two fabulous guests. We have Cass. Hi. And Heidi. Hello. And they are the Beyonce and Jay-Z of lesbian couples. <laughs> Can I just thank Heidi as well for doing a normal hello? 
because Cass that went down your line of going hello. <laughs> Cass did like a university challenge. <laughs> Hi, isn't that what you do when you're on the radio? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I like my sexy podcast voice. Okay, I brought Cass and Heidi on today because Cass has a really terrifying theatre ghost story. Cass, do you believe in ghosts? I uh, I didn't. And then working in a theatre in London, I had a couple of experiences and heard of a couple of more experiences, and now I'm not so sure. Heidi, what about you? I'm not sure either. I think that listening to this podcast actually has made me open my mind a little bit more. Check us out, opening people's minds. Yeah, like how we both did eyebrows and nobody can see us. Yeah, I forgot that nobody can see it's us. It's a very visual podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you to go straight into it and tell your story. Okay, so uh, I used to be the front of house manager of a Victorian theatre in London, which is mostly underground, it's the Criterion the Piccadilly Circus, um, and I'd been working there a few months and um, I had to go back into the bar to get some paperwork I'd left in the office, um, went downstairs, all the lights obviously had turned off, we'd got all of the customers out and everything, so there was just the fire exit lights on, which are kind of like a greeny thing. Um, walked in and on the left hand side as you go into the bar there were some seats that we used to put latecomers on um, and as I walked through out the corner of my eye I saw somebody sitting on the, on the seats um, and I only got, got a glance but I saw this woman with white long hair and wearing a white long dress um, and I think she was barefoot and my, my first instinct was oh shit I've like locked somebody in and so I turned to say I'm so so sorry and then she disappeared and I was a little bit creeped out but I just sort of was like oh, you know trick of the light or something didn't think anything of it really went and picked up my reports went up to the to the office locked up and left the next day um I was talking to the girl that works on the stage door and said like oh I had a weird experience last night I thought I'd lock somebody in and um, there was this woman and when I looked she was gone so I obviously just you know not seen her and she just went white and she was like was she wearing a white dress and had really long white hair? And I was like, uh, yeah, why? And she was like, you need to talk to Luke, the stage manager. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, just just talk to Luke. I was like, right. So I saw him in the break room. I was like, Luke, what's this about this woman in white? And he was like, oh, and he just went white as well. And this is a guy that has done theater for 20 years plus, you know, tattooed, earrings everywhere. This is not someone who scares easily. And he said that one day when he was sorting out the set between the matinee and the evening performance, there was a banner that sort of falls down during the performance. So he was re-rolling that ready for the next performance. And he was on stage. Everyone had gone to dinner. He was the only one there. The, the door from the stage door to the backstage, there's this big, heavy door that creaks really, really loudly when you open it. So they leave it open during the performances. That was closed. And he looks up and there was this woman peering behind the curtain looking at him. Dan is melting in the corner at the moment. <laughs> so she, she was just looking at him and she didn't like ethereal or anything like that. She like totally normal person. And so he was like, can I help you? Because he thought that she'd found her way, but that she was a customer and she'd found her way backstage somehow. And she just like, just sort of went behind the curtain, like, like just didn't say anything to him, didn't look at him and just, just went behind the curtain. So he got up to follow her to be like, you can't be back here. And she'd gone. And there was no other way backstage or away from from that area from the stage because there's, there's only a fire exit which was alarmed or the big heavy door that creaks so where did she go and I was like oh, that is really freaky but again not really 
believing was just like okay, whatever. And then as I was talking, the same person from stage door came in and was like, oh, you heard Luke's story. I was like, yeah. She was like, well, I've got one actually. So she is responsible for opening up the theatre every morning. And she had to go sort of into the dress circle. And then for some reason, the lights for the for the dress circle were the other side from where the door is. So you have to walk across the dress circle in complete pitch black. But because she's done it every day, she's used to walking that space without tripping over all the seats and stuff because she's done it every day. So she walked through and bumped into someone. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to make that noise. <laughs> <laughs> and so she sort of screamed in like surprise. Um, but just assumed like it was a member of crew coming in from the other side or something like that and so she was apo- she was like apologizing as she's walking to the door to turn the lights on she's like oh i'm so sorry i didn't see you there obviously what are you doing walking through here in the dark turned on the lights no one there and she she swears she felt a physical body like it wasn't like a chair or a pole or something like that that she could have bumped into it was flesh and she said that it felt quite short and frail so I was like, well, that is weird. Sort of went about my business. A few days later, I was talking to the lighting operator and he was like, oh, I just had a really weird experience in the lighting box. I was like, what's the matter? He was like, oh, it's just because like where the lighting box was, it was in a weird sort of office, like to the side of the stage. And it had a little window that would look out onto the stage. And he said, I was looking out, watching the show, watching for my cues. And I saw like in the reflection of the window, a flash of white. So I thought someone was behind me, turned around, no one there. So, <laughs> so, and it wasn't the, when I actually then started talking to some of the other cast and crew, they were like, yeah, like props go missing all the time and then turn up in other dressing rooms, um, costumes go missing. People have seen like flashes of like, white fabric going, going like behind a door just as they're about 20 a room and then there's no one in there when they open the door. So, like, this happened, like, several times. There were several references to something white and something just a bit weird. That's kind of my story. So I never, I never liked going into the bar um, after lockup. After that, I just couldn't, just couldn't do it. I was really freaked out. Do you know what really freaks me out about that story? What? Above everything else is the girl who physically bumped into her. Yeah. Because we have this perception that ghosts are, you walk through them or they're, like, okay. misty. Yeah. You get a change of temperature or something like that. But to physically walk into another human being. Well, it's the same, like, when Luke said that he saw her, he didn't see, like, a ghostly figure. He didn't see, like, you know, something he could almost see through. He saw a woman. And I saw a woman. I didn't see, like, a wisp of smoke. Even though it was only sort of a very, very quick glance, because I kind of, like, did a double take. It was was a woman. It wasn't, you know, yeah, it wasn't a wisp of smoke or something like that. Oh. I didn't like the uh, the the creepy looking round the corner of the curtain. That was not a good yeah, image in was, my mind. That's weird. That's <laughs> she was just like watching him. It was also accompanied by brilliant movement and action, which nobody would see. Oh, yeah, Cass like was doing that. Cass was doing actions here, and I and I was I was very aware of it, and I wanted to be like, you do realize this is a podcast. <laughs> Nobody can see I need you. to like audio describe what I'm doing. At the yeah, same definitely. Time. Um, but that that yeah. that implies that she is it sentient. The word I'm looking for that this this whatever she is is aware of what she's doing. Because yeah. you know people talk about ghosts as being imprints of the past, so they redo the same actions over and, and over again. Not aware of what's happening. Yeah, so in reality, yeah. That's why you hear in footsteps because they're you know walking up and down a hallway. The implication is that she is actively she watching the staff. Watching, yeah. And if the, if she is sort of taking props and costumes and moving around, that she's either got a sense of humour or, 
you know, maybe she was an actor and that was her dressing room and she wants it just so or something like that. I don't know. But or maybe she was stage manager and she's making sure everything's in the right place. I don't but know, then but... there's also like actors lose shit all the time. Yeah. Like all mm-hmm. the times that you've been stage manager and I've been acting, like the amount of times I've lost stuff. You know, and and, and, and that's a, it's easier then to go. I didn't lose it. It was a ghost. ghost. <laughs> just every time, ghost. Yeah, if I'd heard that stuff before I'd seen her, I would have just been like, yeah, someone's just lost, you know, misplaced something, and then like put it back and be like, yeah, it was totally the ghost that moved it. I didn't put it in the wrong place. I, I think it's also really important to note at this point that I've known Cass for years. You are the least spooked person I know. Yeah, you don't get wound up easily. And if there's ever an emergency, like Cass is the person to go to because you all stay really calm. And I think that's why that freaks me out more than anything else is the fact that you are questioning uh, yeah. this this story. That it freaked me out, yeah. Because you don't get freaked out. Even like, because you guys were talking about when you listened to our first podcast and Heidi was like, <laughs> please turn it off. <laughs> turn the lights on. Let's watch something nice. Whereas Cass was like, meh. <laughs> I think if anybody tried to haunt Cass, it would be like the least productive haunting ever. Because she'd be like, meh. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it can't really be bothered. Well, apparently not. It does. That, that did disturb me. It does always interest me why they're always wearing white. Hmm. It's not a very like maybe there's color, is it? Maybe there's not a big selection of costume in the afterlife. Oh, she's she's <laughs> yeah. still in that costume. Yeah, she just hasn't <laughs> left. But I don't understand why you would haunt a theater. Like I know that actors are egotistical people. <laughs> I know because I am very egotistical. <laughs> but why would you haunt a theater? Like the the rate of deaths in theater in the modern era. I mean, it's not big. If I was a ghost, I wouldn't want to go back to the place that I died. That would just be really depressing. I'd want to go where I had all my great times. Yeah, or the place where you really embarrassingly <laughs> fucked up a line yeah. on stage. You just want to replay it forever. Just replay it forever. <laughs> and I guess if you're going on the idea that ghosts are imprints of the past or whatever, or imprints of the places around them where they died or spent the most time, then obviously in theatres, it's full of tragedy, it's full of death, obviously fake death. Drama. Drama. So maybe they kind of linger and perpetuate the emotion I don't mm. know that's a good point actually because it is all about emotional attachment isn't it what do you think of that story Dan I didn't like it what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry Dan I'll tell a different ghost story no I mean time. I liked it it was an interesting story but it was very uh, off-putting a bit creepy you could see the woman peering around the, the corner of the thing but I think like uh, theatres are a relatively new thing with the exception of gl- the globe aren't they in terms of actual physical theatres in London so I know it's Victorian, but that's not actually that old. So she could have just been knocking about in her house or something like that. It could have been something else before the Victorian. So she might not actually have anything to do with the theatre. It might just be the location. And then she's like, what the f*** is this? What is going on here? Why have they hung these dark curtains up? This is not very nice. Yeah, what are all these props? Yeah. <laughs> Move them out of my kitchen. <laughs> what is that tattoo guy doing in my living room? <laughs> I think my natural reaction when you first told me that story was... Well, how did she know it was a human she bumped into? But actually, you would know. You would know. No, you would, you would know, know, I think. Yeah. You because... kind of bounce off flesh, don't you? Well, it's not like, like... That sounds really bizarre, but like... Yeah, you do. Yeah, it's not It's not like something... Like, I'm doing... I'm gesturing again. But it's not like a hard surface that, that you sort of hit against. There's a sort of reaction. Bounce. Yeah. And I think if you walked into a chair at speed, your initial reaction would be, Oh, fuck, that hurt. Mm. Not, oh, I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah. So that just gave me the heebie-jeebies. That's my phrase of this podcast. It gave me the heebie-jeebies. And I would just like to corroborate that by saying, as someone that walks into someone all the time, I definitely know what it feels like to walk into someone. That's very true. I wonder where the idea of haunted theatres 
comes from. And I think that actually Macbeth has a lot to do with it. Not the Phantom of the Opera. But I think Macbeth has an awful lot to do with it because there's all this whole superstition within acting circles. If you're not within acting circles, but you will have, you'll be aware of this, that actors don't say Macbeth in theatres because they think it's bad luck. I think that's bullshit. What do they do if they're putting on Macbeth? You're allowed to say it when you're putting on Macbeth in rehearsals. But even if you're putting on the play Macbeth, you refer to it as the Scottish play. If you're talking about Macbeth, the character, you can say his name. But if you're talking about the play, you refer to the Scottish play okay, or so the Bard's play. Every time I go into the theatre from now on, I'm just going to be walking around going, Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. Well, Macbeth, I did Macbeth, that. Macbeth. And then bitch slapped by a bunch of actors. A couple of years ago, we were doing, uh, well, you were involved, and we were doing a play called Dance at Lunasa, and the director firmly was suspicious of the whole Macbeth thing. And during that time, I ended up being cast in Macbeth. And I was talking about it and she was like, stop saying the word Macbeth in my theatre. And I literally followed around, go, Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. So where does that come from? Why Macbeth? There's loads of different stories about why Macbeth is unlucky. But apparently during the first ever performance of Macbeth, which was in like 1606, the actor playing Lady Macbeth died. Bear in mind that actor oh, yeah, would have I've been... I have seen that clip on uh, YouTube, actually. <laughs> Wait. Bear in mind the actor playing Macbeth would have been a teenage boy. And in 1606, he was probably well past his life expectancy. Like, he, he was probably riddled with, like... He died of old age on stage. It was just a cast of juveniles. But the actor playing Lady Macbeth died. And apparently Shakespeare had to replace the actor really quickly and apparently the actor died on stage now whether or not that's true there's nobody around to corroborate that story except for ghosts and then in the 17th century there was another performance in Amsterdam I think and the guy who was playing Duncan was accidentally stabbed because they replaced the knife with it they replaced the prop knife with a real knife and he was legitimately stabbed on stage just gonna say this not an accident how do you you accidentally replace the prop knife with a real one (laughs) to be fair i was doing a show a couple of years ago and i wanted to bring a real knife on stage and the director was like absolutely not you're gonna fall on it and die which is probably i mean yeah it's probably true yeah i'm very accident prone and then in like 1947 there was a guy called Harold Norman who was playing Macbeth and he again died in the battle scene, the final battle scene with Macbeth and Macduff. Was that because they replaced the fake sword with a real sword? <laughs> More than likely. Not only that, but in 1721 and 1772, there were major riots at a production of Macbeth. Two separate productions, major riots. In 1849, this is the best one ever. There was um, a production of Macbeth that was taking place in New York and this mass brawl broke out because there was two different groups of fans of the different actors. So one of the groups of fans were really for the British actor William McCready and the other group of fans liked this American actor called Edwin, somebody whose last name I didn't write down. (laughs) And the riot got so mental that 22 people died and a hundred oh people God. were left injured. And this is like historical fact. Like literally the original football hooligans at a theatre. Or like real life gangs in New York. Real life gangs in New York. Leonardo DiCaprio yet again. <laughs> There's all this superstition around the play Macbeth. And then some people believe that it comes from the ancient, or not the ancient, but the original text. And there's a belief that Shakespeare used real witches spells in Macbeth. With double, double, toil and trouble, fire, burn and cauldron bubble. It rhymed. It's not a spell. It just rhymed. <laughs> How many witches from that period have you been hanging out with? Loads. Okay. The other side of it is that 
people believe that the reason why Macbeth is considered unlucky is because when your show was failing, so if your show was not making revenue, they'd stick in Macbeth instead. So they'd cut your show, put in Macbeth because Macbeth always makes money. And if you, there's the legend is that if you heard somebody rehearsing Macbeth, it meant that your show was about to get cut. So there's two different schools of thought. And it seems like superstition around theatre really did start back in the Shakespearean times. Like that people believed that people died or that you, like, you know, obviously with witchcraft at the time, I mean, James I banned the play for years because he was so petrified of witches. Did you know James I wrote a book called Demonology? I did. Yeah? Yeah, I knew that. Absolutely petrified of witches. But I think that a lot of that superstition around theatre comes from that Shakespearean era where the whole world of witchcraft and theatre and theatre was pretty much outlawed at the time as well. So it was seen as this kind of outsider activity Mm. where only kind of weird people. Counterculture. Counterculture, thank you. Subculture, whatever, either or. Subhuman. Subhuman. (laughs) We're just going to keep saying words until we get it right. But that's where I think it comes from. Subway. And, but then, <laughs> but then, as you said, like Macbeth was one of the most performed plays, uh-huh. and is still one of the most performed plays. So, like law of averages, it's gonna probably have Absolutely. the highest rate of death stories and things like that. You're not gonna get that many of like the Book of Mormon or something. But or equally, like, like it's new. and at the time as well. So there's all these battle scenes, Macbeth, where people are brawling on stage. So you've got the the battle between Macbeth and Macduff. And obviously that's that's a pretty dangerous battle. And if you do it properly, it, it's really delicate sword craft on the stage. Back in the day, everything was lit by candlelight. You know, everything was definitely going to go on fire at one point. Macbeth was put on in a theatre that had burnt down twice. And then people were like, oh, the reason it burnt down twice is because of Macbeth. No, the reason it burnt down twice is because you were lighting things with candles <laughs> and hay. Like, it, it's just ridiculous. But that's where I think theatre ghosts stems from. But then your story fucked me up because <laughs> I was so ready to do this episode and be like would it's it help ridiculous I, would it help if I told you that the show that we were performing was Macbeth oh no it wasn't no it wasn't oh! <laughs> <laughs> it was a comedy called The 39 Steps so that doesn't really that doesn't really work out Sorry. it doesn't really ring true does no. it but so many people so many actors still believe the whole Macbeth I mean I was in Macbeth and and you died I died <laughs> here we are well, I was in Macbeth and I think the, I do think it's cursed because that production was shite. So <laughs> there we are. Yeah, but it's in a you castle. It wasn't a castle. You it was were, very cool. You were really good. I and was like, stunning. People have died in other films. I mean, films like Sil- the Silent Hill film. Mm-hmm. Someone died filming that film. and Brandon Lee in The Crow. He got shot by when a real gun was accidentally placed with a fake one very similar to that story again accidentally accidentally, <laughs> accidentally. I'm just going to leave my gun here next to the fake one that, that think, will never I go badly I think it was real bullets rather than real gun so I think it was a real gun but it had blanks in it but then they replaced it with real bullets accidentally what do they think was going to happen whose idea was that oh my gosh sorry Heidi we yeah, interrupted but, you no but I guess it is because Macbeth was written and performed in a time of superstition yeah. and I remember learning about it and then teaching it later on about that people would have been terrified of the witches. Oh, absolutely. It wasn't like, you know, when you're pissing around in a GCSE English class doing your funniest witch voices. Like, they would have been terrified yeah. because witches were such, like, a real thing for people. And I guess we've just kind of lost that. But then actors have retained that superstition. Also, uh, actors are... Clumsy. 
<laughs> yeah, true. But but trained in the art of imagination, aren't they? They're, they're, yeah. they're trained to to see past the normal and and to try and create a, a world. And and they're trying to the suspension of disbelief, and that's they're, they're trying to create an environment. And so that's, I think they're more in tune with the possibilities of other worlds or the other possibilities of different dimensions and things like that. And I think as well, a lot of actors love the tradition. They love the kind yeah. of pomp and circumstance of absolutely we mustn't say Macbeth well I don't I just go out and <laughs> say Macbeth it's a thing you have to do don't you have to like turn around three times and so punch then... someone in the face or... <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can't remember what it is kick somebody really hard in the face <laughs> flying s- drop kick yeah throw salt in the stage manager's face I don't know throw so. salt in their eyes <laughs> yeah. no, the, the, the actual thing that you have to do is you have to leave the room turn around three times either say a Shakespearean quote or swear really loudly they do it in an episode of Blackadder. Oh, so it must be true. Well, it's obviously true. But do you have any, as a, an actor slash stage manager slash lighten operator slash all the other things that <laughs> you do, <laughs> do you have any routines or superstitions that you have to do before you go on stage? Not really. I mean, it's not really a superstition type thing, but I always have my nervous poo. <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, that's just... That's, that's just standard. That's just common sense. Right? Yeah, Dan's like nodding knowledgeably. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah, just standard. That's just standard. But no, that's not. I mean, your your body any... isn't your your isn't superstitious. Yeah, your body isn't being like, oh, we can't go out without having our nervous poo. Although, if you did go out without having nervous poo, that might terrible. end badly. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Nervous um, poo makes sense, though, don't they? Because yeah. it's like your body just making sure you're all cleared out before you do anything important, or before you see a ghost, or before or you, so you, so you, you don't shit yourself. Yeah, that's I mean, true. It's sensible. I don't really have anything like that. No, I mean I have like like not traditions. I have like like certain snacks I like, certain drinks that I like having, you know that kind of stuff. But nothing that I'm doing because if you know because it's going to give me bad juju or something. Like just like I like Lucasade when I'm doing a show, and I don't generally drink Lucasade. Yeah, because it gives you energy. Yeah, exactly. Like nothing. Yeah, it's more tradition or, or logistics than super superstition. Yeah, it's weird because I'm like the most anxious person in the world, and I don't have any superstitions you're not, I was gonna say, you're not particularly a superstitious person no it doesn't i don't have any superstitions that i need to do before i go on stage which is weird because you'd think that i would but i don't you're right if it's all gonna go tits up it's gonna go tits up <laughs> and we've been there and done that <laughs> and it's i'm still alive so it's fine forgotten to say our line because you and i were chatting on stage oh yeah so this one time cass and i were on stage uh having really like really inappropriate and unprofessional we were having a conversation <laughs> on stage we were supposed to be chatting yeah but then we ended up actually chatting yeah, we were supposed to be like carrots and peas carrots and peas and i was just like so <laughs> we just ended up chatting and then we ended up chatting and then i realized that everything had gone silent i was like oh somebody's missed a line and then i was like oh it's me <laughs> i've also had it where when i was doing macbeth macbeth dropped his lines about a third of a way into a scene and just just walked off I love that we shall leave now. Just just went, we shall leave now. And and I was like, okay, we're we're going to leave this scene. (laughs) That was the the ghost, that's why. That's the ghost. Yeah, he was thrown by seeing the ghost. In that same run of Macbeth, I am one of the knights, forgot to say Lady Macbeth's pivotal line, which is out damn spot. Forgot to say it. Didn't even realise I hadn't said it until I walked off stage and one of the guys was like, just looking at me horrified. And I was like, what, what, what's happened? Oh my, what, what is it? What's wrong? And he was like, you didn't say the line. I was like, oh, <laughs> what line? No. Yeah, it was the ghost. Maybe it's just a way for people to blame things. Maybe. Blame, blame, have something to blame for when everything goes tits up. I was in Weird Sisters and that's kind of based loosely on my birth, very loosely, mm. but kind of based on that. And um, and somebody forgot to come on stage with me once um, to do a, I had a dialogue with them 
And I like marched on stage. I was playing a soldier. I wasn't just really enthusiastic. Yeah, really enthusiastic <laughs> marching on stage when you were meant to be a ballet dancer. Yeah. <laughs> I marched on stage very confidently with my little spear and I looked around and he wasn't there. And I was like, do I have time to go get him? No, the line, the cue line's coming up. So I had to turn the dialogue into a monologue. So it just looked like a bit of a schizophrenic soldier, really. Um, but it was all right. I managed to clear up. Then he ran on after I'd said all the lines. Oh, brilliant. Which is really helpful. Yeah, that was obviously the Macbeth ghost as well. But I think that if people were going to make up ghost stories, it would be actors, wouldn't it? Do you think that the Gulbenkian and Marlowe stories are true? So Cass, you worked in the Gulbenkian for like years. A long, years. long time, yeah. For about seven years. No. <laughs> no, I don't. Short answer, no. So you weren't the one person that saw the ghost that one time? That no, it wasn't me. No. I really want to know who it was. I think we need to track this person down. Yeah, I think we do I mean, too. I mean, the, I love the Gulbenkian. I'm a big fan of the Gulbenkian. I don't think there was a ghost there, no. I, I was there for off and on ten years. And I'm still affiliated to it now. I'm still I'm still attached to it. In, in various maybe ways. you were there for so long that people thought you were the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it was just me. Um, maybe I was just looking really pale that day. I don't know. No, I, I never saw anything. Never felt any weird. And I, I used to have to look up in the dark all the time. Never, never had anything weird. But it is like you said. It's a it's a new theatre. It was only built in 1967. Yeah, 68, that's, that's 68. pretty new. I mean, yeah, all all ghosts are Victorian, as we know. Obviously, like yeah. all of them. and women Obviously. in white dresses. Doesn't yeah. matter who you are, what gender you are, you got a white dress. Yeah, absolutely. The afterlife is limited. They've got mm. budget cuts. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I remembered the. You know, you were saying about the most haunted theatre in London. Yes. Um, it was Dr- Drury. It's Lane. Drury Lane. And yes. the story was because I too read this on the way here. Um, I typed <laughs> in theatre ghost. <laughs> um, haunted. Um, yeah, it was that this dude this actor was he was in Charlie and Chocolate Factory was like having a chat with someone else yes. and then the telly was on in the corner of this of the dressing room and they mentioned ghost or something and then the channel changed and then yes. they said it again and then the channel changed and the reporter was like this is not what I had in mind when I wanted to write an article about ghosts yeah <laughs> like faulty electrics is is not what I thought <laughs> yeah. this was gonna be yeah that was the same one that I was reading it was in the Guardian but there was the the oh, Drury Lane. True. It must be true. <laughs> Big up the Guardian, come and sponsor us. The Drury Lane ghost. There's there's all supposed to be like a man in a cape who haunts Drury Lane again. I mean, it's not a woman in white. Yeah, it's not a woman in white. There's meant to be a man in a cape. Fabulous ghost. Yes. <laughs> if you're going to be a ghost, have a cape. Dan's very quiet in this episode. I've just realised. <laughs> he's just sitting here and he's like, or you're just uh. rocking back and forth in the corner. Yeah, he's crying. <laughs> I love the story though, Cass. Well, thanks. I it was great. It myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had any ghostly or weird experiences in theatres? No, I, I, I was on stage one day and the set fell down. I've seen some weird things. In yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the stuff you go and see. <laughs> yeah, I was on stage one day and the set fell down, but that was because I slammed the door too hard. So <laughs> wasn't anything to do with a ghost. Slammed the door too hard. Set fell down. No, I've never, I've never seen anything weird. Like we often work in the Playhouse in Whitstable, mm-hmm. which is a really old building. Yeah, and again, that's meant to be haunted. I mean, we've worked in that for by a fisherman by a fisherman <laughs> in Whitstable. Really? No. Yeah, it's meant to be haunted. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was the really was to Emma, not to oh. you. <laughs> yeah, the Playhouse is meant to be haunted as well. But I mean, no, we've worked in there late nights. We've done. Yeah. I've been in there on my own really late at night. Yeah, we've um, been there to like midnight. Yeah, I've yeah. never. Never, nothing's ever given me the heebie-jeebies there. I'll tell you what does, what does give me the heebie-jeebies there is... So there are two, there are two sort of entrance, exits out of the auditorium, aren't they, through the two curtains. Yeah. 
And one of them, the stairs to the right lead up to the lighting box. Yeah. And the other way is like just to the back of the upper circle. I think you can get to the lighting box both ways. But anyway, one of them is perpetually freezing cold. Like really, really cold. And I think it's just because it's not in use Demons. very much. Because you, Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, I, think it, I think it's just because it's not in use very much because it's the only stage crew I'll go up there. So the audience aren't going up there, so they don't walk, they don't heat it or something. I don't know, but it's always really, really cold, and that just gives a, a really, ear- especially when you're going up there and it's dark. It just makes you feel eerie, even though there's nothing like spooky about it. It just feels weird because it's like you go from a really warm sort of auditorium to like like really cold. Are the Gulbenkian and Marlow ones less believable because only one person has ever seen it, or is it because they're modern? I think it's well for I mean, me because they can be easily explained by other things as well. Yeah, it's like somebody standing side stage, livid that your performance is shit. <laughs> like that's why they're a ghost that looks really angry or whatever. I, I don't. I I think it's threefold for me. The first thing is that yes, they're modern. The second thing is that one person has seen them, and therefore that means they're haunted. No, and the third thing is like I can't remember what my third thing was going to be because I've been drinking. <laughs> I've been drinking I've been drinking no I genuinely don't remember what my third thing was going to be surely if ghosts are real then there will be ghosts who are like walking around with like a skinny jeans and a hoodie we had this conversation in like our first episode was it I don't remember now I think we're well overdue the shell suit ghosts to be yeah, yeah, yeah we are the 90s. they should be here at some point yeah Ghosts. The bell-bottom ghosts of the seventies. I've yes. I've read something about a seventies ghost before, so I think I think they might. Seventies ghosts. No, seriously, it was something about a hippie girl. But yeah, I think we are well overdue ghosts that aren't in Victorian theatres and that are just hanging around parks, drinking big bottles of cider. <laughs> That's what I want to see. But if if um, <laughs> if ghosts are like the one I saw, where they look like a person and they're not just like wisps of smoke. Then if we saw someone hanging out in a park drinking a bottle of cider in bell bombs, we'd just think they have poor tasting clothes. We wouldn't necessarily think Very good that's point. clearly a ghost. Yeah, because the ghost that I saw as well was a person. It wasn't it wasn't a ghost that she had no eyes. So you know. <laughs> well that's, I mean, that's weird. That, that would give you a clue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was on the train on the way back and it was really crowded and I thought I saw like this horrifically scarred person with an eye missing and it made me think of you. That's <laughs> But then when I looked, it was actually just this person's ear. And, <laughs> and that is a proof of ghosts. <laughs> proof of ghosts with Daniel. Let's leave it there for this week, shall we? Oh, no beer sure. flood. Oh, no, no flood. do your... Actually, no, I th- actually think this is a great story. Do your beer flood story. Okay, so do you know the, where the Dominion Theatre is in Tottenham Court Road? Um, it's the one that had the Freddie, the Queen thing in it for the, like, the longest oh, yeah. time we oh, were rocky. Sure. Yeah? yeah. So... In 1814, um, there was it was like quite a sort of slummy area, and there was a beer like brewery, beer brewery, a that's beer the one, um, <laughs> like beer. next door to the where the Dominion Theatre stands now, and um, one of the vats of beer gave way, and it basically flooded the basements of about eight different houses in that area because it was 610,000 liters of beer. Oh uh, five people died. What a way to go. Two of them yeah. were little girls that were having oh. a tea party oh, in a okay. little slum house, which is a bit sad. Uh, one of them was a bar lady from the Tavistock Arms pub because she was in the basement and, at the time. And because the cellars had no exit, when they got flooded, they just drowned. And uh, as a result of this, the Dominion Theatre is haunted. And if you search Dominion Theatre on the internet, there's a picture. Of two very drunk girls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all those ghosts are really drunk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is a way to go. Like, if you're going to yeah. go, go pissed. That is a way to go. And uh, they, they took the... The people of the slum took the the um, brewery to the court 
for like loss of life and damage and stuff like that and then it got it was like one of the first ever cases that got like put out for an act of god wow. <gasps> true story wow. no wait that is actually a really interesting story interesting. Yeah. imagine how Dan. <laughs> imagine how ironic and horrible it would be if they were like yeah you the brewery paid them all off in beer and they had to drink their sorrow you got a lifetime supply a lifetime supply of beer oh cheers but there Especially, is, there is a, actually a really creepy photo on the internet well, I think it's creepy, but Emma just looked at me and was like, yeah, there's someone standing behind him. But I was like, oh. Hmm. Oh, that was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll put it up on Instagram and you can decide for yourselves. So, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you review us on iTunes. Make sure that you tell your friends. Come and follow us on Instagram. We are Real Life Ghost Stories on Instagram. Come and follow us on Twitter. We are Real Ghost Pod. Snapchat us too real ghost pod on snapchat and also we have a facebook group called real life ghost stories if you want to come join us and talk to us about random ghost shit we would love to hear from you why are you laughing we said rwandan rwandan (laughs) ghost shit no that's not what i said so make sure that you like subscribe i sound like a youtuber that's not what i had intended to sound like Click on the link above. Click on the link above. <laughs> Details in description. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Um, so come and chat to us. And thank you to Cass and Heidi for coming in and doing the episode with us today. Are we going up, Heidi or Hass? Oh. oh. Oh, that's 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 a whole episode of itself, so. I like Hass. So I thought we were Beyonce and Jay-Z. Yeah, but I can't call you Beyonce and Jay-Z. That's copyright. They're already Beyonce and Jay-Z. Yeah, they, they already exist as real people. <laughs> we, we will announce the decision in the next podcast, perhaps. Yes, we will. Just write it, in the, for... write it in the comments below. Yeah, write it <laughs> <Tell us laughs> in the comments below. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it to a popular vote. And also, go and listen to It Came From The Video Store. Those guys are awesome and we love them. And make sure you donate to their Patreon because it's for disadvantaged yes. children, which is really important at Christmas. We love you all. Goodbye. Mwah. Bye.